Welcome to Voices of the Valley, a series interviewing growers, entrepreneurs, educators, and technologists who are inventing new solutions for today's and tomorrow's challenges on the farm. Brought to you by Reedley College, educating the next generation of agriculturalists in advanced technology, efficient production practices, and food safety. Now here's your hosts of Voices of the Valley, Dennis Donahue and Candace Wilson. This is Dennis Donahue. I'm the director of Western Growers Center for Innovation and Technology and co-host of my favorite podcast, Voices of the Valley, and uh, joined, as always, by uh, my good friend, Candace Wilson. Candace, how are you? I'm well. Also my favorite podcast. There you go. So let the record show we are very clear on uh, <laughs> on, on that. And, and one of the reasons it's my favorite is because we get really interesting guests and we've got a really good one today. And, you know, you can correct me if I've got the title, because as you said before we were chatting, you know, we're going to introduce to our audience a man with a mission. So Tomas Pina, who, uh, what are we calling you these days? The managing director of Yield Lab Latin America, or is there yes, more to it than that? Though that's a lot. There's always a lot more to it, but I, I, we, we can settle for that. <laughs> we, we, can, we, can, we can start there. So, uh, yes. and, and you know, your man for the mission, uh, you know, you kind of alluded to uh, you're all over the place. So where are you today? Right now I'm in Buenos Aires. Two weeks ago I was in Guadalajara. A week before that in Miami. A week before that somewhere in Brazil, I guess. And next week, I'm going to be again in Miami and, and Sao Paulo, then Bogota, Medellin, St. Louis, Missouri. That's the, the schedule. Well, you're, you're a man with a mission and you're a man that's still collecting a lot of frequent flyer miles. I hope you've got all those, uh, <laughs> I hope you've got all those consolidated. One of the things we like to do with our guests is, first of all, just talk a little bit about uh, your background, how you ended up doing what you're doing. And, and it really is a serious comment. I mean, I know you're very, very committed to what you're doing. So how did all that evolve? You know, you've got a great background, but how did you end up being one of the uh, major players in Latin America on AgTech? Oh, thank you for that. Basically, I studied economics in Argentina. So I come from a banking background. I did banking for 20 years. And then I was one of the co-founders of one of the first AgTech companies in Latin America called S4, which did a, a Series A in 2016. That's when I left the company. And um, we were part of the Yield Lab batch number one. So I was invited to open Yield Lab Latam in 2017 by Todd Simons, the founder of Yield Lab, and uh, he helped me with the fundraising. And we gathered a few farmers from Argentina, and uh, we did the first accelerator program. And long story short, well, today we have 17 investments in Latin America. We opened our third fund, which is going to be announced in two weeks for $15 million with a target of 50, with investors from Argentina, Brazil, Peru, the US, and Mexico. So we have a very interesting team. We have offices in San Pablo, in Buenos Aires, in Rancagua, Chile, which is an hour away from Santiago. And we're in the process of opening in Mexico. And next year, we really like to have something in Central America and Colombia. So we're very active because we think, and the mission is, it's kind of unbelievable that Latin America being one of the most important producers of the world in, in every single crop and having massive amount of talent and having very important relevance in terms of use of water and natural resources, that the innovation in BC is not necessarily based in Latin America. Actec uh, is very nascent in Latin America. We mapped out more than 1,400 companies in the market. Uh, we interviewed 600 of them in the last five years, and we have invested in 17. Uh, the new fund, we will probably invest in some of the first companies, but also in, in 20 more companies. So we really believe that this is a huge opportunity, even though the markets are kind of shaky right now. We see that, the, I don't know if this is a word in English, but the undercapitalization of the Actec market in Latin America is so big that even if the market rises out, there's going to be plenty of money in terms of the gap between GDP and percentage of VC money that flows into Latin America, right? 
When I started in 2011, the total assets invested in Latin America in general in VC were 143 million, and last year was over 15 billion. So even if we had a very bad year, whatever year we have this year, it's going to be 40 or 50% above two years back. So there's a very impressive growth in, in VC in Latin America, and we still have a lot of things to go in terms of agtech, especially when you start talking only about agtech as an agronomic insight kind of a play but more as a business model disruption or as a digital transformation play or a play that we're trying to do in terms of developing ecosystems, connecting ecosystems in Latin America so farmers could become not only users, but players of this market, right? So that's why we worked the last four years with farmers as investors, farmers as developers of startups and with partnership with Actec Garage and Nesters, which are two groups, one in Brazil and the other one in Argentina of incumbents saying, hey, I want to play this game. So we had a very, very interesting first five years, and we think we're going to have exponential growth in the next five years, and that's why we're super excited to be able to have the podcast and establish connections with the West. Exciting. So rapid expansion, the scope of everything that you're working on. So the portfolio, the kind of companies and growers that you're working with, tell us a little bit more of those specifics. Yes, I, I, can tell you, I think cases are always super nice. One case is Quilimo. It's a company that started in Argentina selling recipes for row crops for use of water. I don't know if you've been to Argentina, but the place that these guys were selling is called Pampa Humeda, which is humid pampa, which is excess of water. So Groundy sells the recipe for $6 an hectare. We helped them move to the Andean region, and uh, they started selling that recipe for $50 to $150. But that's not all, because the saving that they did in the Andean region in Chile was a water saving that was so critical that everybody started using it, and now they're turning it into digital tokens that could be exchanged in the water market. So that's the beauty, I think, of Latin America. You have a lot of people thinking differently, opening their minds in terms of uh, saying, why not? Another one company is Terra Magna that was doing using satellites to monitor fields, and last year was one of the first investments by SoftBank in, in the Arc fintech world in Brazil. Another one is Ucropet, which is doing traceability of road crops for carbon sequestration. So we have uh, also another company in Peru called SpaceAct that's using drones to monitor fields, but mostly to manage the labor that is moving those crops. That's going also to Mexico and, and the U.S. So you see that once you start thinking, instead of only agronomic value as value chain value, then going only to St. Louis or going only to the Midwest is, is limiting. And, and that's why we had this very long relationship with Dennis. I'm super happy to meet you at this. You know, you alluded to, you know, kind of the nature of the economy. And if we're doing current events, you know, as we're recording this, I was talking to a financial planner this morning, not mine, but we were just talking in general. And he just said, you know, there's nothing stable right now, or at least that was their view. But I guess the question I have is, you know, growth and expansion Given the number of companies you're involved with as you continue to raise money, that seems to me that would be a good thing in terms of it's going to create more opportunities to kind of get through these headwinds in terms of raising money and supporting companies. Because one of the things I've always been really impressed by with the Yield Lab is you really stay with your companies and investments longer than, you know, really most people in the game that really helps give them a really good foundation. I mean, if somebody's been vetted by the Yield Lab and they've been in that programmer environment for a while, I mean, it seems to me that that's a company you want to be paying attention to. Thank you. Yes, uh, one thing in terms of stability, right? When I moved from, I went to high school in the US and I moved back to Argentina and the first month I came back to Argentina, the inflation was 200% in one month. So stability in Latin America is kind of normal. So you, <laughs> okay. you guys are complaining of, of having 8% inflation in one year. That was in one, in few days. 
But having said that, I mean, that is also a very good ground for people to be very adaptable. And I think that one of the major wins of what we've done in GLAB LATAM is that we've done something bottom-up. So we started selecting startups from the beginning, early stage. We copied a model of a Midwest venture capital firm called Cultivation Capital, which is the founder of, of, of GLAB. And we established very entrepreneurial-friendly relationships, but also very clear in the terms that the problem with startups is when they grow, the teams could break. So we do work a lot on them, on helping scaling up and helping them, making them uncomfortable of saying, you know what, you have to go from the comfort of Argentina to the comfort of, of Chile, which is where not, your family is not there right now. So <laughs> you have to make the change, which in the U.S. is very normal right? to move from one place to the other. In Latin America, there is less normal. So for companies in Latin America to open up new offices, regional offices, is, is very difficult. I had that experience when I opened the office of S4 in, in the U.S., and it's very challenging in cultural terms. So, yes, we, we really look at long term because, again, we believe that that's the way the farmers understand the business. Right? And, and when we talk to farmers that want to invest in, in our fund, we kind of relate the investment to forestry, right? Afforestation that takes 10 years, some of the trees will grow, some of them will die. But what's most important is that, is that if you don't do it, start now in 10 years, you won't have anything. So, and we are working a lot also with uh, the succession of the family-owned businesses, right? So the sons of the farmers, we help them get involved, we help them. I mean... We are not doing that as much as scale as we would like to. And that, I think that's where the huge potential is. And that's where we could really work together. No? Because at the end of the day, this is a pipeline model, right? There's 10 companies. It will make it to the next level, five to the other level, three to the US, one to Europe and the US. Maybe someone will become a unicorn. But we need to understand that what's the light at the end of the tunnel. And, and that's why we've been developing this relationship with you, Dennis, over the time. And, and we're not in a rush. We know that's going to happen. What is the role that you play? So you're talking about the different regions and the expansion with the companies in connecting other companies and opportunities. That's a very good question. Last week, well, we're closing a deal with a company in the middle of Colombia, as we speak, that was invested by a very important accelerator in Mexico, by a family office in Guadalajara, and by a former JP Morgan guy in London. The radar is broken, right? Today, the niche play, this is a company that's doing something in banana and, and palm oil. The whole model is broken, so you have to be very attentive on, on how to connect things and how to change that synapses, if you want, of the system. And that's why we, we opened this network effect uh, and we try to talk as much as possible with the farmers, the founders, the teams, the specialists. One of the biggest persons I would like to find in, in after 10 years of doing BC and being related to the market is some a specialist in, in team building and in cap table building in, in as a service, <laughs> somebody who, who would say, everybody's happy with a 10% of the company until they find out that they gave 12 to the other guy, right? Even if it's Facebook, FBN, or whatever company, it's going to be 100 points to distribute. And uh, it's, there's not going to be 105. So <laughs> those are very human. And, and I think that's the biggest approach that we bring, Candice. Like, uh, make this a very human thing, right? This is a business about talent. 80% of the money that we invest goes to talent. So not to have a, a specialist in headhunting for startups or a specialist in how to set up a cup table, it's kind of oxymoron because, it, I mean, you're biting your tail. Okay. You're, 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 you're putting massive amount of money in something that you're doing intuitively, right? We talk about talent often on this podcast. And so maybe I'm always interested in hearing the perspectives of the kind of talent and what the next generation of agriculture is looking like. So when you look across your portfolio, are there opportunities, specific skill sets or opportunities that you think there are gaps that exist today? Or what are the challenges about filling those important roles? Well, very good question. I'll give you another example. A, a company from Brazil that's doing an affinity program, right? And it's having revenues over $8 million. So 
it's not going to be about ag necessarily. It's not going to be about the plant. It's not, not going to be about efficiency. It's going to be about connecting, about changing, about embracing the guy from marketing, embracing the guy from IT, embracing understanding crypto, understanding payments, understanding that this is about money also, uh, understanding traceability, understanding carbon, but most importantly, understanding multiculturality. And that this is a biological process 90% of the time. So it's a plant. So the plant will tell you where it grows. So if it grows in the Midwest, Brazil, and Argentina, it could be called soybean. If it grows in, <laughs> in the Western side, it could be called an avocado and, and they have different problems. But if you look at Netflix, the avocado world is there and, and people will stop buying because you've been so efficient that you're not being conscious enough about nature. So I think the biggest uh, discovery, if you want, on, on how to do this business is on changing conversations right? and, and getting together and collaborating and uh, understanding that multiculturality, diversity, in, in all sense, it's, it's very, very important for the business. Because again, it's a very old traditional trade, the agriculture. And sometimes uh, you get used to do things in a certain way. And there's a, this is a massive revolution. Right? You know, you alluded to earlier and kind of goes back to the beginning of some of our earlier conversations. You know, Candace and I know living in a Western growers oriented world that uh, a lot of our members, uh, in order to be around suppliers to the US and North America, that they have to have production partnerships throughout the Americas. So for instance, a lot of our Central Valley folks are working in Chile and Peru and that sort of thing. So our, it seems to me the Americas are really coming closer together as it relates to uh, you know fresh fruits and vegetables in terms of production relationships and where you operate. And you know, you mentioned uh, Space Ag, uh, you know, we ch- had a chance to visit with them a couple of weeks ago. And one of the comments that really kind of stayed with me was, you know, it's easier, though it's not necessarily something that comes naturally. Space Ag has some interesting customers that have automatically kind of pulled them into a North American orbit or into the States. But they said, it is easier for us to go there than it is for an American company to come down here and kind of localize their presence. Uh, do you see the two Americas, Latin America, North America, coming closer together in the near term? Because it, it seems to me that's a big trend. And certainly this issue of multiculturalism and being able to operate in those worlds that's going to be an important skill, as you alluded to. And then the second thing is besides, you know, this connectivity and how fast it's coming is, you know, we've been talking about ag tech. So if we're, if we're in California, we're talking about water, we're talking about labor, we might be talking about food safety. What's Latin America talking about in terms of ag tech? You know, what are, what are kind of the headlines? Okay, so for the first part, I, I agree that it's happening. And I think it could be happening way faster. I think that's where the opportunity lies, right? The second part. If, uh, in terms of agronomic needs today in, in Latin America, what you're seeing a lot of mindset on operational value, right? The farmer's still thinking, give me something I can deliver. And then I don't usually get upset, but I try to not lose my patience. I said, tell me one application that all of you use that is the best application for farming in the whole world. And they tell me, I don't know, what are you talking about, Thomas? What's up? Everybody uses WhatsApp. There's no problem of communication. There's no problem of sending information. There's no problem of anything. So when you have that very, very clear, then it's a problem of mindset because the, the product, when you have a product that fits all the needs, you have the solution there and the farmer adopts that technology. So if that's doable, why can't they use all the other technology that the startups are proposing? And I think most importantly, because there's a problem of communication. And there's a lot of lack of knowledge in many startups. Sometimes they're too specialized in a couple of things and they forget about payments. So they underestimate payments. So they underestimate communication. They underestimate not only product market fit, but say, hey, you know what? You want to pay me only for one click? You do that. It has to be like a long-term contract, have a seat, have a conversation. I mean, 
those things are changing rather rapidly, but we still have a long way to go. And I think that's a huge opportunity. So technology adoption would be the biggest. Understanding how to adopt technology or digital transformation, if you want, uh, is one of the biggest challenges that I see today. In that same vein, are there any great success stories with any of your, the companies who you feel like they've taken a more creative approach to mm. a growers being comfortable with technology or mm. tools that are really getting growers more comfortable? You know, Yeah, of course, I'm going to say all my portfolio companies are awesome at that. One very clear example is Ucropet that has been able to get the input companies to pay for their software so farmers could use it for free. Also, they're hashing the, the information from satellites so farmers have their privacy covered by blockchaining the information from the satellites so they're sure that the information is going to be used only for the purpose that is being intended to. Uh, there, uh, then they have again seeds in Brazil that's doing uh, loyalty programs for UPL, John Deere, etc. You have um, Telemagna loaning $150 million in Brazil. You have um, Agri uh, opening in Mexico, Guilimo with the water offsets. You have enough uh, companies. There are other companies that are not in my portfolio are also very, very exciting. Again, I still think that we are at 10% of capability in terms of innovation, right? We still need a, a lot of farmers to get involved. We need a lot of VCs to develop, but we need a lot of investors to say, hey, let's get this talent going to the next level. Today, I was talking with one of the most important CPGs in Argentina, having lunch with them. I, I just talked about that. What about your talent pool? What, what happens if, if one of your top technical people tells you that they met me and that they're going to do a startup? Will that make you happy or will that make you sad? I, this guy, he said, I will be super happy. Other guys that are producing other stuff and say, I will kill you. <laughs> I, I thought they didn't mean it. But you get the point, right? For sure. And the cultural change is the biggest challenge, I can, in my opinion. So I'm, I'm always going to try to refer it to you, to people, not to technology, or because this is a change that we're living here, right? And I think COVID has done an amazing job in generating the urgency of change. And I think that what's going on today in Europe has opened the market in Latin America for a very interesting talent pool that could be uh, used for to feed the world, right? Sure. Also, when you think about things globally, and I keep going back to the pace of the regional expansion, what other world areas are, in your opinion, emerging as leaders in any sort of specific technology? Are there places that we can look to to learn and, you know, proactively, I guess, try to address other regional issues? I have a few of my partners are way more expertise on that. And today we had that question from an American investor, so I cannot have the answer top of my head. You see, in, in, in Europe, we have uh, my partner has mapped out 3,400 companies, and he said 40% of those are more on the food tech side than in the ag tech side. Right? In Latin America, it's more the other way around, 80% in the ag tech and 20% in the food tech. But still, you see that Latin America has a very thriving venture capital world, and that could create a lot of opportunities if we can teach the incumbents in the ag space to, to go there. In terms of Europe, uh, of Africa, we have also my partner, other partner is in Africa as we speak. And it's a very, very, very nascent uh, market. So there could be some spots where you can find in three or four countries, very top talent and uh, with good funding, and etc. But And then you have the, the, the Israeli and the Asia Pacific front, which are heavily invested and, and they're more into next generation kind of things. So I'm very confident, but I'm biased. I admit that I'm biased that Latin America has a very strong opportunity in more the mom and pop technology, right? In the adoption technology. That's why I'm referring to WhatsApp, right? Not the next big thing, but digitalizing. Digitalizing has a humongous impact on things and it could be a little bit undervalued, and, but the valuations of the company that we invested are, are rising because of that, right? 
And that was how the model of, of Latin America Venture Capital grew, copycat models or models are kind of conversation starters. And then you move it to AI, opening the gate for digitalization and then improving that with money and time, right? Well, one of the things, and you've mentioned Europe, and I think one of the reasons for your optimism logically is going to be, I mean, I used to grow down in Chile, so I'm familiar with putting things on a boat, get, you know, trying to get them up to LA or getting flown into Miami. But, you know, that part of Latin America is, is typically going to be thinking about the Pacific and the US, but, you know, the Eastern side of Latin America, Argentina, you know, heading off to Europe. I mean, Latin America, besides resources, land also has the logistical infrastructure in place. And, you know, that seems to me that's going to be important on a go forward basis and really create some real growth. And then farmers are going to need these tools you're talking about. One of our most important hubs in innovation is in Rosario, which is the largest port in the world in row crops. The other one is in Piacicaba, which is in the center of San Pablo, which is one of the largest cities in, in the world. Then in Rancao, you have 70% of the very production of Chile, which is the most important exporter to China. So yes, you have that. There's still a long way to go. I mean, it's still very nascent in, in, a, in a way with all the capabilities that could be done. But I'm not just being optimistic, but I'm also sharing what we see in the market. No? And we're closing rounds as we speak in, in this context. We're launching a fund as we speak. We're going to have uh, in two weeks the World Agri Tech in, in Sao Paulo, which is also very amazing, right? Sao Paulo, which is Brazil, eighth economy in the world, came after Singapore where they have, I don't know if they have a plant, one plant. So it's kind of like a changing market, right? It comes from a very sophisticated, high-end, very capital-intensive research with very high-level PhDs. So the more boots on the ground, how can I help you? Digital solution. I've been in the market for 10 years and I haven't seen one silver bullet in ag tech. So I don't know if it's going to happen in the future. I think it's going to be always a collaborative effort because of what's at stake, right? You're talking about the food of the world. Nobody's going to give it away to someone. You mentioned uh, in, in your travels in a country I'm really intrigued by is Mexico. Talk about the ag tech, what the scene down there. I mean, because, you know, as I kind of survey the landscape, it, you know, that's an area that's like, not I quite as to, obvious. Yes, I have to go back to all those places, right? So I have to be <laughs> super nice of what I'm saying. But the truth is that we have 1,400 <laughs> companies mapped out in Latin America. 50% of them are in Brazil. The other 22% are in Argentina, Uruguay, and eastern side of Southern Kong, and the other 20% in Andean region. In Mexico and, and Central America, only 8%. So there's a huge arbitrage to be done there. Because well, it's, it's certainly having grown in Mexico. There is no shortage of great growers, young, educated talent. Uh, so it seemed to me all the ingredients are there just for whatever reason, it hasn't moved at the same pace as other other. Yeah, other, other but, parts of the world. But one very important thing about emerging markets is the capital flow and the capital assets that you have available for innovation. For example, Brazil, 50% of the deal flow is there, 50 60% of the money is there. In Argentina, 20% of the deal, but 8% of the money if you want. In Mexico, you have 8% of the deals and probably 50% of the money if you want it, because there's plenty of money and there's plenty of people that can deploy capital. The point is sometimes markets, they deviate because it's easier to do food tech or fintech or it's to do crypto. So uh, founders are more into something else. And that's an arbitrage and that's something that's interesting. So today, as we speak, Mexico is a, a, a huge opportunity. That's why I've been there the last three months, three times. Yeah, no, that's what I would think. I mean, I certainly view it in those terms and having grown there as well, you really, it's not hard to be impressed by the possibilities. And certainly, you know, we're going to, we're going to see more production shift into that country as well, depending upon the crops. So, you know, you being a man on a mission, 
that implies a missionary and missionaries usually choose places to go preach, evangelize, or uh, kind of bring in the sheep a little bit. So I, I figured following your itinerary around is probably a pretty good idea if you want to see where the future of ag tech is heading. <laughs> Thank you. But no, I, we're 14 people, so we have other people flying all over. Brazil is a, today is the place to be. And uh, we have five people there in the team. I'm the Lone Ranger. I just go and, and, and then I say, hey, this water here, come over. The founder and uh, and and I like uh, visiting new places, but I, but it's really amazing how uh, when you go to Salvador, Guatemala, Costa Rica, Panama, uh, there's also very interesting big producers that could be doing big things. Their families are very highly educated and they have access to very important talent. And and again, that's why I keep referring to talent because sometimes somebody that has an MBA has a very short. Uh, path until they can get into venture capital or angel investor or developing a startup, right? Especially because in the last five years, I think that the model of how to grow a startup has consolidated to an industrial level. And uh, we haven't seen the industrialization of the venture capital in Actec in general, I think, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, because you don't see today like Salesforce model, right? Salesforce.com model of they bring me 50 APIs. Nobody in the US is calling me to say, you know, what Thomas, can you bring me 50 APIs to make my platform go to the next level? So those conversations are not happening yet. Uh, we haven't seen big tech players in Latin America saying, hey, I want to buy companies. I don't see it as that. It's starting to happen. We don't see as many banks saying, hey, you know what? Actech should be the huge play. SoftBank made the first fintech investment in the world in Latin America. So those are just things that are starting to happen, but it's all going to be about integrating flows of information, of production, and of money. Well, one of the other areas that we're, I'm a little intrigued by, you know, your neck of the woods, if you say all of Latin America, and this is a world that, you know, Candace is familiar with as well. You know, we, we're seeing a big emphasis on more, you know, biologicals, biostimulants, et cetera. And, uh, you know, and I remember, uh, chatting with a, a mutual friend of ours in Brazil. And I just kind of made the comment. I said, and I was wrong. So I'll admit that on the front end. I said, you know, re representing specialty crops and, you know, we're not quite as interested in Brazil or so I thought from a product standpoint, other than let's say citrus. And then, and then we started talking about inputs and that sort of thing. And he kind of smiled and goes, you're way more interested in Brazil than you think you are. We have this little thing called the Amazon that has every environment that you might possibly consider. So and I'm really of the opinion, and having grown, having grown in Chile, you know, this dual hemisphere thing, you know, there's a lot of talk about how we dual hemisphere on the equipment side with, you know, from an automation standpoint with New Zealand and Australia. But, you know, this issue of biologicals and inputs, it would seem to me that's going to be a huge market opportunity. And particularly because Latin America can, emul can emulate so many of our growing conditions and vice versa. So I would think there's going to be a lot of innovation in that space yeah. that we ought to be attentive to. I have a problem, which is uh, my, my grandfather was a scientist from Chile. I'm a banker from Argentina. I mean, I, I do have some genetic mutation, right? So my only goal as a venture capitalist is to return money for my investors as fast as possible and with the highest rate. Biological takes forever for me. I'm 53. Candace we <laughs> showed off that she's way younger, so she has more time to do that. This is a money game. I mean, we're not doing charity here. We need to find the champions that can take it to the next level and, and take the opportunity. Today, we see that the digital transformation opportunity is way bigger in terms of return on investment, which doesn't mean that we're not investing in biologicals like botanical solutions in Chile, and we invest in polynatural in Chile. But I mean, we are asset managers and we have to assess who are the best assets that can uh, return uh, our money to our investors, right? I don't know if my, my answer was too much of a banking answer, but, but at the end of the day, Yes, there are huge opportunities. The scientific community in Latin America is amazing. 
But there are other funds that are doing more on that and, and more connected to the input companies. We're more connected to the commercial side of things, right? No, it's an important distinction. And I think for anyone who's kind of observing the scene, it, it, it's important to be thinking about that. I mean, we've certainly seen on the automation side and in our neck of the woods that that's not necessarily going to be a traditional venture play. So, you know, your, uh, your insights about Latin America, if we're thinking about that area, that's helpful and important, important to know what your priorities are going to be. And certainly, Dennis, also, I mean, part of that equation, like we've talked about in California, is, is also the regulatory environment and, you know, that can force the hand and the priorities on on the markets as well and how the growers, the new technologies that the growers that, are. That's right. Well, and, and yes. we're always, Candace, everything you and I have been involved with from a business standpoint, we're always interested in acceleration and how do we, uh, you know, speed up the process. So that's, uh, so that's. Go ahead. Dennis, sorry to interrupt, but you, you have to remember that Argentina from north to south is as big as the U.S. from east to west, that Brazil is one of the biggest countries in the world, that Latin America is as 40% of the arable land of the world, one-third of the natural water reserve of the world, again, top producer in every single crop and animal protein business. This is humongous. I mean, this is huge. And the low-hanging fruit, we see it more into optimizing those flows of information and money and products than today maybe in the next big thing of biologicals that we compete with heavily invested P round or C round uh, investors in the U.S., right? Well, and, and that was really, you know, one of our, our goals and one of the things we, you know, wanted to kind of surface with our visit with you is, you know, what are the priorities? You know, what's somebody like yourself looking at and thinking about? And I, and I think your comments are, are helpful and uh, educational. So uh, because, you know, as we coming full circle, the opportunities in, you know, Latin America and then coming attractions, Mexico and Central America are going to be, be enormous. So, you know, and I, I, I think you're kind of, you know, you're a wise owl sitting on the perch and you can kind of, you get to see everything. So we, we wanted to uh, pick your brain a little bit in this. So Candace, I don't know about you, but I've uh, found uh, Tomas to be very informative. Uh, and uh, I think he's a pretty fair missionary. He's going to get some converts. I agree with that. Thank you so much for joining us today. And in your busy travel schedule, I feel like you should stop off in California, visit Dennis, and we'll come over and have some lunch together. Oh, looking forward to it. I love California and I love wine and I love spending good time. And I think this optimism is based on a lot of things that I've been seeing in the last 10 years that have accelerated massively in the last six months. Of course, the market will stall a little bit everything, but uh, we're still very much an early pre-A, A-round kind of valuations. So um, I see that it's a very important play for big players in, in the U.S. to say, hey, why don't we build an API economy model and find talent and to let them stay home and connect with us through the World Wide Web. No? That was a very modern concept. <laughs> well, we're going to look forward to having you up in California in the not-too-distant future. And I think, you know, Candace, it, you know, given the times we... Uh, are in these days having someone uh, introduce a dose of optimism and uh, you know brighter days lie ahead. Uh, we can be grateful for that. I agree. Well, the worst Tomas, case scenario, you can visit me in Latin America. We you know, I'd love to. I'd love to. I'd love to do that. So, and, uh, and you already heard before we got on the air, Candace already identifies with the whole continent. Loves the <laughs> loves loves the food. So, Candace, we're gonna have to figure out how to take Voices of the Valley on the road. It's a deal. There you go. We'll, we'll work on Great. we'll work on building our global audience. So thanks for helping us do that. Thank you for joining us on Voices of the Valley. And Candice, uh, let's do it again soon. I'll be back. All right. Great. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on Voices of the Valley. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to the Voices of the Valley podcast. 
brought to you today by Reedley College. To learn more about Reedley College's Agriculture and Natural Resources program and the courses offered in Ag Technology, Food Safety, and Plant Science, you can visit ReedleyCollege.edu.